uh, going through the M&A church planner uh, training and assessment and uh, began to work in church planning, evangelism, and missions in Salt Lake City, Utah among the Mormon peoples and, and anyone else who would hear the gospel and listen to us. And so it's been, a, it's been quite the adventure. Um, we were in Demopolis, Alabama before that for five years where my wife is born and raised from and uh, ministering at the First Presbyterian Church there. But uh, it's been a great adventure, and we're glad to be uh, traveling around, visiting some family, but also able to speak at some churches and tell about what God is doing uh, out in Utah in the PCA these days and the work of uh, the initial church plant that we did and a new work that we're going to do as well that we're working on and beginning right now. And uh, so what I'm going to do this morning, if it's okay with with y'all, is just uh, give you a a little mini-sermon here and then also talk about the work of the Lord uh, they're uh, kind of in combination. I think the both will go together. But uh, let's pray together this morning. Father, thank you so much for your gospel grace in our lives. And thank you how once having been planted there, Lord, it, it grows into fruit in our lives that we want to share it with others, to give that message and that love of Christ to others as well, uh, to foreign nations, to our own country here in America, uh, to our local areas uh, all around us in the neighborhoods, and to our own hearts as well. So I pray that you yourself would speak to us this morning as we open your word together, and that your Holy Spirit would be the honored guest in our midst this morning. I do pray these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Well, before I begin with the message, I, I have to. Uh, I was talking about church planning in Utah among the Mormon peoples, and there's actually a very interesting and long history of Presbyterian missions among the Mormons. I don't know if you knew that or not, but uh, I'll have to share with you my favorite couple stories uh, from the past, uh, the history of that. The first has to do with Joseph Smith himself, who was the founder of Mormonism in the early 1800s. In in my view, he wrote the Book of Mormon himself, uh, although he passed it off as having been translated from golden plates uh, in ancient Egyptian And because he was telling people that he had translated the Book of Mormon from the ancient Egyptian, he had sort of developed a reputation as sort of a a soothsayer or a translator of antiquities. And so from time to time, people would actually bring him old documents uh, to try to have him him translate them. Of course, a lot of the Egyptian documents, uh, the Rosetta Stone had not been discovered yet, and so there were no Egyptologists. No one could speak uh, could translate the hieroglyphics of Egyptian. So a lot of those things he got away with, including a funerary Egyptian document that he supposedly translated into one of the pieces of their scriptures. Of course, later Egyptologists learned the language and were able to disprove that wrong. But one of the interesting stories comes from a group of Presbyterian ministers, actually, who decided to, uh, to meet with Joseph Smith. And they met together with him, and they handed him a, uh, a Greek New Testament. And they asked him, could you... Uh, could you translate this very ancient document for us? We don't know what it is. Somebody's recently discovered it. And he began to thumb through the Greek New Testament. And he said, well, this is an Egyptian alphabet textbook. And they looked at him and they said, actually, no, it's just a Greek New Testament. And supposedly from that incident, he was so angry at Presbyterians, he stormed out of the room. And, uh, and actually, Presbyterians, maybe because of that, I don't know, maybe because of other instances, uh, you actually show up in Mormon scriptures as uh, Joseph Smith prays to the Lord specifically about Presbyterians to see whether they are a true church. And uh, you can guess what the answer was. 
the second story comes from after Brigham Young. Joseph Smith was, was killed early on, actually. He didn't live that long. Uh, but Brigham Young uh, took the majority of the Mormon peoples as sort of Joseph Smith's successor. And they began that migration out to Utah, which is, of course, what they're very famous for now, being kind of the majority religion in the state of Utah, right? So after Brigham Young had migrated out there, slowly but surely, some missions organizations began to send some folks out to witness to the Mormon peoples. And one of those was a Presbyterian church planner. This is the late 1800s now. Uh, these are the cowboy days in the West, Sundance, Sundance Kid, Butch Cassidy are all running around Utah and those other territories. And uh, he comes out uh, to a small town in Utah, actually. And he announces, puts up flyers all over town, announces in this you know, 100% Mormon community, probably, that he's going to be beginning a new church. And he's talked to the mayor, and he has secured the town hall for a Sunday afternoon meeting. And so, sure enough, Sunday afternoon rolls around, and actually most of the town comes out Sunday afternoon and fills up the town hall, just because they want to see what's going to happen to this guy after the Mormon leaders uh, react to him. Uh, they want to see if he's going to be killed or dragged out of town, tarred and feathered, what. So the minister gets up there with his Bible, and uh, he reaches into his jacket, and he pulls out a Colt 45, and he puts it right there on the pulpit and says, please turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Romans. I like to think that's good Presbyterian style right there. But Anyway, if you would, turn in your scriptures to Romans chapter 15. We're going to be reading just a few verses together there. Romans chapter 15, just verses 18 through 20. Of course, Paul has given this beautiful entire letter of Romans as an introduction to the gospel to the church in Rome. And it's sort of his introduction as well as he's about to visit Rome. And as he comes to the end of the book, this is what he says to them. Verse 18 of chapter 15 of Romans. He says, I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey God by what I have said and done, by the power of signs and miracles, through the power of the Spirit. So from Jerusalem which is where he began, all the way around to Illyricum, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. It has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known so that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. There's a beautiful pattern that Paul describes here. He says, I started at Jerusalem and I went, all the way around to Illyricum on the Mediterranean Peninsula. He says, I've been all around the block, so to speak, right? You know, I've, I've been around, Paul's saying. But I, but I began, you know, he, came, he comes back to Jerusalem, of course, and he gets arrested there. He's going to be taken to Rome. But he's able to minister in all these places in a systematic fashion. And Paul was a very strategic missionary. You notice that he's, he goes up to Antioch with Barnabas and they plant a church there. They begin to work there together. And then they actually get sent out from the church in Antioch to other places. And there's three and even four missionary journeys that he goes on, right? And he has this, uh, what I call a, sort of a 360 degree revolution. He goes around the block, so to speak. 
And that's what I briefly wanted to bring up that concept this morning. Because I believe that even in the PCA, there's sort of a, sort of a 360 degree revolution that has happened and needs to happen when it comes to proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. And uh, maybe I'll sort of bring in a baseball or softball analogy as well. It's sort of a circle, 360 degrees in a circle. But you could also think about it like a baseball or a softball diamond as well. Um, you know, maybe you had a daughter that played softball or a son that played football. And, uh, you know, maybe they were in the habit of after, after getting a, a hit, they would just run to first or second base and they would stop. Even if it was wide open or they'd hit a home run, they would just stop. They wouldn't run around the bases. You know, there would be something wrong with how the game was being played at that point, right? They, they need to make it all the way around and get to home, right? That's the goal of the game. And so perhaps there was a stunting there. You need to get all the way around. And same in this analogy of the bases, if we can talk about them that way. In terms of the gospel mission. First base, I liken in the history of the PCA to foreign missions. When the PCA was founded in 1973, it was put very explicitly into the constitution and the documents that were founding the PCA that we were to be a missionary denomination. That we were going to evangelize the nations. In fact, those were some of the issues that had led to the founding of our denomination was a desire to be able to preach the true gospel in all the nations of the world. There was an evangelistic zeal that was there from day one in the PCA and and it, and it most commonly showed up in terms of foreign missions. You know, all the church, I grew up in the PCA in the South, and most of the churches that I had been to always had very strong missions programs. Perhaps they had uh, missionary weekends or a missions conference, and there was support for missionaries that was uh, widely practiced. And so I think foreign missions, in a sense, came naturally. It came easily to us, even today, I think. But you get around to second base. And second base in the history of the PCA and the gospel mission is national church planting. There began to be a movement, and still is, of this, of this need to look at America as a mission field. And especially many of those hard places where the Reformed faith and even Christian faith was not. And began to do church planting um, together. When we moved out to Utah in 2010... One of the little towns, we had, there was two towns right next to each other, which are kind of suburb cities, bedroom communities of Salt Lake City. One of, one of the towns that was about 25,000 people, the one right next to it that ran together was about 65,000 people. So that was our target area. But the one town had never had any Christian church in it at all, period. Not any kind of Christian church other than Mormon churches. Not a Catholic, not Episcopal not any kind of church. So we're talking no Christian presence, let alone Reformed presence, when we began to labor in the first church plant we did there called Gospel Presbyterian Church. And so that's, that's you know, was part of Paul's vision, right? Where he says, I didn't want to build on someone else's foundation. I wanted to go where there wasn't a foundation and lay a foundation for the gospel ministry, right? That was integral to Paul's ministry. And that was, that was part of my heart when I graduated from seminary and was ordained in the PCA. I said, oh, I'd like to go somewhere where the church is not. And to be able to lay that foundation for the gospel itself. And that's what led us to Utah, actually. There was a, mis- a mission and a vision uh, for church planning in Utah by an organization of PCA pastors called Mission Utah who had this vision to plant other churches in Utah. Um, now there are only seven PCA churches in the whole state of Utah, 
But that's more than there was 10 years ago when they started when there was only four. So some progress has been made already in the gospel work and we're hoping to see even more progress with that as well. So second base is national church planning. Now you come to third base. And third base is local evangelism. You know, doing evangelism in your own hometown, in your own neighborhood, you know, and, and in all neighborhoods, right, of your town where you live. And, you know, this, it's one of those interesting things, right? I, I experienced this as I was growing up as a youth in the church. You know, I could go on a, on a missions trip to Mexico. I remember going on one, and we were there for a week, and we were building some houses, and we were able to, to share the gospel with others as well. We had a blast, and it was just so natural in that environment to share the gospel, you know, with, with any and all that we met, and, uh, and it was a wonderful time. But then you would get home, and sometimes it's harder to go to the person across the street, maybe that you've known for a while even, but you know is not walking with Christ or doesn't have that real vital relationship with Christ, right? Sometimes it's hard to go to a family member that lives in town and to, to witness to them, right? Because maybe they're a member of a different church or... You know, maybe they would, they would fight you tooth and nail to say that they're a Christian, but you know they're not walking with Christ, right? Sometimes local evangelism is very much a challenge, but that's kind of third base. But the home base is even more of a challenge, I think. I think it's actually the greatest challenge, which is to bring the gospel not just to the foreign nations, first base over here, not just for church, national church planning, not even just for local evangelism, but bring it home, literally, to your own heart. And you say, what? Preaching the gospel to my own heart? <laughs> Why would that be necessary? I, I'm a Christian. Well, I have really good news for you this morning. The gospel is not just for non-believers, but it's also something that we are able to, to live by each day. When, when Paul says, I, I decided <laughs> to proclaim nothing but Christ and him crucified, you had better believe that Paul himself lived by that terminology, Christ and him crucified. He says at one point, the love of Christ compels me. The love of Christ compels me. That was the same love that sent our Savior to the cross, where he took the crown of thorns for you, where he took the nails in his hands and the spear in his side in your place. He himself was crucified and rose again on your behalf because he loved you. And now Paul says, that love that I saw, and I was even part of the, the killing of martyrs, they put, their, they put their coats at my feet and I gave my approval as they stoned Stephen to death. I was against this Jesus of Nazareth until what? <laughs> until I met him on the road to Damascus, right? Until that light <laughs> blinded us. I couldn't even see for days after that. And I said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Paul was dramatically converted. And in the light of that, it was so natural for him to be discipled by Ananias and others. And then in the wake of that, he, he himself began to be of great help to the church. So much so that Barnabas saw what he was doing and said, you know, hey fellow, you need to come with me up here to Antioch. Because we need to help establish this church. And then from there, both of them were sent out to the mission field. But you know, there's, there's, there's all these mission fields but you won't get to first base, you know, second base or third base unless we continue to go around the bases, so to speak, and bring the gospel home to your own heart as well. Do you really believe the gospel this morning for yourself? You know, I, I know for sure when I think about my own life, we, 
we can talk about, you know, the Mormons. And it's interesting in Salt Lake because if you drop out of Mormonism or you, you grew up non-Mormon, you're very anti-religious, actually. So there's, there's actually a strong undercurrent, a, a strong minority of very anti-religious folks out there as well. But whoever you are, whether you're a Mormon or, you know, you're a homosexual in Salt Lake City who hates all religious things, or you're me, we all need the same thing, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if I know if it could save a wretch like me when I was 17 years old, it could save any Mormon. It could save anyone who's not walking in the light of God. Maybe some people have never even heard the gospel. And that's actually something I love about Salt Lake is getting the chance to share the gospel with people every day, every week, that literally perhaps have never heard the true gospel of Jesus Christ as well. And there's many challenges for places like this as well where people have heard the gospel, right? In fact, they've heard it so many times, they're inoculated against it. It's like getting a little, little shot, you know, that, that prevents the future virus. That's how they are. They're inoculated against the gospel because they've been hearing about Jesus all their lives. So you have to bring it to their hearts in fresh ways, right? But the gospel mission is the same. The gospel mission itself never changes, but it has to go around the bases. It has to complete that circle. Foreign missions. And Utah is a very interesting place. I don't know whether you could categorize it as a foreign mission field or a local church planting field. It's maybe somewhere in between. In a sense, it's a last frontier of the gospel reaching to the furthest parts of America. It has a very interesting history. Uh, but the gospel has never had a strong presence there. In that sense, you can consider it a foreign mission field. But it's within, you know, America here. And so it's national church planting as well. But the Mormon peoples just have a very unique history there. Um, that that when, we, when we first began to witness to Mormons in Alabama, that we had a couple who came to our house. And we began to witness to these people. You know, I, I would invite you to get equipped so you can... You can witness to these young men that go around. I don't know if you have any Mormons here in Bruton or not, but you know, yeah, you know, I would invite you to, to engage these people. And uh, it's very interesting. There's a man. There was a young man in another PCA church out there who uh, spent his mission in Kentucky. And uh, this young man was going around, and and in Kentucky, I mean, all, all he talked to were Baptist ministers. You know what I mean? And so he spent two years just just hearing the gospel from from these Baptist ministers. You know, and he came home and. And was promptly converted as a result of that. So I always tell that story to encourage people actually to engage uh, these young men. And sometimes it's senior couples and others that come around. You know, Mormonism is a very sad and legalistic religion. Uh, I often point out the greatest difference between Christianity and Mormonism in this way. Um, You know, the goal of Christianity, as we would put it, is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever, right? The goal of Mormonism is to be glorified as a God and to enjoy that forever. And so they're very different religions. They're not, they're not in the same boat as Christianity. They're heading in a very different direction. They have other scriptures. They, have, they worship a completely different God. Uh, they believe in multiple gods. They don't believe in one God. They actually believe that they themselves can become a God one day. And so even as we reach out to these people, it's very interesting because for all the interesting you know, nuanced things they have in their religion, they actually have the same need, which is that they're suffering under a load of religion and they need the freedom that the gospel brings. The Mormons understand law out in Salt Lake City and those who are non-religious understand lawlessness. So it's kind of like if you're, not, if you're not a Mormon, 
I mean, you're going to live it up and show everyone that you are and, and celebrate lawlessness. But in between law and lawlessness is a little narrow strip here called grace. And that's a concept that people don't understand there. In fact, it's a concept that many people, wherever you go, don't understand. <laughs> the fact that I cannot, but Jesus can. The fact that I was not, but Jesus was. And he is for us, our Savior and our King. And that's a beautiful message that we bring. It's what Paul said when he said, um, very, he said, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. He says, by the power of signs and wonders, through the power of the Spirit of God. He was proclaiming very powerfully. He says, I will, I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey God by what I have said and done, right? There's a beautiful aspect when I, when I look at some of the work that's gone on out there. You know, when I was in my basement with a Mormon high priest and we prayed for him to receive Christ and he's now one of our elders and our worship leader. It is Christ who has done this. When I sat at our church luncheon table and led the owner of a local Chinese restaurant to Christ, it was only Christ who was doing that. When a lady who attended the local PCUSA church started coming to our church on a whim and was converted, as she illustrated to the glory of God what Etta Linnemann, the famous German scholar, once said, there's nothing that a good old-fashioned conversion can't cure. Amen? That's what Christ does in people's lives. He takes a hold of their lives and he changes them 100%. There's a 360 revolution that happens in their lives as well. And that's what he can do in your life today. Maybe you're here and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and Lord. But I'm telling you that the offer is open to anyone who would come. Jesus said, come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. You know, and Mormons have many regulations that they have to follow. They have... They have thousands, literally, of regulations that they have to follow in order to accomplish their own salvation. It's a legalistic religion. But, you know, sometimes that happens here as well, right? People are trying to earn their salvation. People are trying to, to do things to earn the favor of God. Whereas the gospel says it only comes through Christ. That's the offer not only to the Mormons, but to all of us here even this morning. That's the beauty of what Christ is doing. It's not about what I'm doing, you know? It's about what Christ, what God himself is doing in Utah. It's about what God is doing in Bruton, Alabama, right? We're just working for him. He's our boss. We say, yes, sir. He says, go here. We say, yes, sir. He says, stay here. We say, yes, sir. We work for God. God is your employer. He's your boss. He's our king. He's our leader. And it's him that's going to accomplish something beautiful through our lives as we simply open up and surrender to him. I love that old hymn that we sing, Take My Life. And let it be ever only all for thee. Consecrated to thee. That's the spirit that, that the gospel brings in our lives, right? Where we fully proclaim the gospel. On the foreign mission field, yes. In national church planning, yes. In local evangelism, yes. In preaching the gospel to your own heart. When you wake up every morning. The, head of our, the previous head of our missions organization, Mission to the World in the PCA, said one time, all it takes to... Erase a lifetime of ministry and witness is a good night's sleep. You know? I mean, sometimes you wake up and you don't feel like a Christian the next morning, right? But you know what? God says, my, my mercies are new every morning. <laughs> and you have to wake up and grab hold of that same gospel that you believed yesterday. And you realize as you do that that it's not you holding on to God. 
but it's God holding on to you. So there's this, this full-orbed focus in Paul's ministry that I think we need in the PCA as well, and we've had in a very strong way. And that's a, that's a challenge from God's word to you as a church as well, to be engaged with all four of those areas, foreign missions, national church planting, local evangelism, and preaching the gospel to your own heart each and every day. It's a challenge that comes from God's word, where Paul says, the love of Christ compels me. And that's the love of Christ that's going to compel you as well. There's no way that we can accomplish the work of foreign missions. You know, there's no way that we can accomplish this work of national church planning in Utah in our own strength. That's, I found that out in a hurry. There's no way that you can, atta- you can accomplish the task as the church here in Bruton of local evangelism in your own strength. There's no way that, that you could just keep yourself a Christian in your own strength each day, right? It's the gospel. It's the power of God through Jesus Christ that is going to accomplish these things. And guess what happens when, that, when he does show up and he begins to work and he begins to move? He gets all the, the praise. He gets all the glory. And we give him the thanks for that, right? So it all leads to the glory of God and to the worship. And guess what? He will. We've seen many of the nations of the earth evangelized in our day. We've seen a church planning movement that's resurging in America to see the gospel bring revival to our land. You know, we've seen, I've seen what it looks like when a local church gets serious about local evangelism and, and actually begins to do something. And guess what? People begin to get converted as a result of that. And you're like, wow, it works. It does, though. It does. The gospel can change a life today. And even when you begin to wake up in the morning and instead of going to your email or rushing off to work, you go to the Lord. And you go to that secret place. You go to your your prayer closet or your prayer garden or whatever. And you open up God's word and you begin to meditate on it. And you begin to seek God's face. And you begin to preach Christ to your own soul in those moments. Guess what? Your day is transformed. Your week is transformed as you begin to do that daily. You You begin to develop a zeal for Christ's kingdom that's there. That comes across the pages from Paul and others, right? And it works its way into your own heart and into your own life. And God begins to show you how he wants to use you for the zeal of his glory, right? He does want to use you. You know, he has tasks for you this week even. So as you preach the gospel to your own heart each day, there's much else that God has for you as well. That's a really, really beautiful thing. Amen. Just want to give you a brief, brief kind of update on the work that we had done in Utah and kind of the new venture that we're beginning out on as well. Uh, like I said, we moved to Utah in the fall of 2010 and began work. Uh, I was working as an assistant pastor at one of the PCA churches that was there. And then a year later, we, we moved to a particular target area on the west side of the valley. And we, we planted Gospel Presbyterian Church. So we began services in the fall of 2012, a Sunday evening service we started with. And then a year later, in the fall of 2013, we moved to a Sunday morning service and we meet in a movie theater that's right now. Uh, there's no buildings for sale or anything in the area because it's a very new area. Everything is growing like crazy. Uh, land is very expensive. But we're able to rent some ballrooms that are in the upstairs of a movie theater. And uh, the good part is that everybody knows where the movie theater is. So they're able to come there uh, when we invite them to church and whatnot. But uh, we began that work and we really praise God for... The conversions, the true conversions, the rededications that we've seen in that work as well. 
And Utah is, I was, I was talking to a, a pastor who had, um, who had left Utah, and uh, I was, he was asking, how many years now have you been in Utah? I told him six years, and he said, well, six years are sort of like dog years in Utah, you know. The work is hard, the work is slow, there's slow progress amongst a people who largely, in, in many senses, don't want to hear the gospel. Uh, they don't want what we're offering, so to speak. <laughs> you know, they, they know who you are as evangelicals, as those who believe the gospel. And uh, they sort of have a caricature of evangelicals as, you know, sort of those who, who believe in grace and you don't have to do anything to go to heaven. Um, so they, they very much, you know, many of them have heard actually the gospel before and they actually reject that message. Some of them actually even work against that. I was um, hearing of someone who had actually come out of the Mormon church and had come to Christ was telling me about he was going to see his bishop. The bishop is kind of like their local pastor um, of the local ward, who's what they call their congregations. And he was actually going to see the bishop to resign his membership in the Mormon church. But before he could talk to him, a lady was in front of him in line, and he overheard the lady saying uh, to the bishop, she was saying, you know, Bishop, are you aware of all these little church plants popping up around in the valley? You know, and if so, what are you guys doing about this? You know, and the bishop said back to her, he said, you know, we have recently become aware of the situation and we're, we're actively working on a solution, you know. And, uh, you know, I don't know if that's the final solution or what it is, but, you know, I mean, they're, they're actually, there's actually to a level where they're actually working against us to some degree. And uh, even though they're very nice on the outside, again, uh, you live next to a Mormon person, you know, they're going to, I mean, I, mean I, I often say you can't out-nice a Mormon, you know, and you're witness to them, right? You can't just let your, your good work shine and that's it. Because <laughs> their good works are going to be better than yours, you know? They're a better neighbor. They'll take out your garbage more than you'll take out their garbage for you when you're out of town, you know? And so you, you really have to speak the gospel when it comes to Mormons, and that's actually true for everybody as well. But uh, the thing about it is, you know, they have these, these laws, these regulations they follow. They're very moral people. But what they're missing is the gospel of Jesus Christ. So whether it's you reaching out to um, someone local here or what we do there, the gospel, the spoken word of the gospel has to be central there. But uh, we're, we're, we, we labored on Gospel Presbyterian Church for a number of years. We were actually blessed this last year to be able to ordain our first two elders and a deacon who's in training. And we were able to particularize as an official PCA church this last year. And uh, as we were doing that, we know, we know in a sense it was still a church plant. We were working towards sort of financial sufficiency and all that kind of thing because of the environment there. Uh, typically the church plants uh, take a little bit longer in that area. And you can see that from the, the history of the other PCA church plants that were planted there as well. Typically it takes them about seven or eight years to really get kind of established and financially self-sufficient. Um, versus three to five years in other areas for, for typical PCA church plants. And so we knew we had to keep working on Gospel Presbyterian Church to continue to grow it. But at the same time, as evangelist, um, I began to have my eye on a different area that was about 20 miles north of us, an area called West Valley City. And West Valley City was a little bit more of a lower, uh, lower middle class area. Uh, it was a more diverse area, actually, interestingly, a little bit less Mormon simply because more people had dropped out of the Mormon church in that area. And so I knew there was an opening for the gospel. When people drop out of Mormonism, they're very confused. They're very lost. Maybe they read on the internet, you know, some of the lies that the Mormon church has told them. And they've, they've you know, shrugged that off as not true anymore. 
but they really struggle to now trust any religious institution and to go to church anywhere. So they're very confused. They're very lost. They struggle a lot. So I knew there was a lot of dropouts in that area. So we said, we've got to go, we've got to reach this area as well where these people are coming out of the Mormon church or not in the Mormon church, but they need the gospel every bit as much as the next person. And so we said, let's start a work there. So we actually, I was able to rent an office that's in the area there. There's a little picture of it in that, that handout that was given to you guys. And I enlisted the help of a local partner who's actually lived in Utah for a long time. This area where we're reaching out to is about 35% Hispanic as well. So I knew it would be key if we had a, a local ministry um, director who could work under me and work with me as a church planter and to do some of the Hispanic side of the ministry as well. So we're actually going to do a multicultural church plant in that area. Uh, this this fellow's name that we're working with is named Felipe Salval. He's originally from Chile, although he grew up most of his life in California. And a wonderful Christian brother who the Lord has used in some other ministry contexts prior to that. But we're sort of bringing him into the PCA. He, he was already reformed in his theology. I began to talk to him about reformed theology, and he said, well, that's what I already believe, just from reading the Bible. <laughs> so it was very interesting that uh, the Lord brought us together. And so now we're working together on this new church plant. And, uh, you know, the main thing I would ask for from you guys is your prayers. Prayer is like the wind in our sails that keeps us going with this kind of thing. And I'm going to pray for you guys as a congregation here and the Lord's work in Bruton. And we'll have a mutual ex- exchange of prayer uh, for our ministries and ask the Lord to really take these things forward for his own glory. That, as, as, as Paul says, you know, beginning in Jerusalem, right? And he says, going all the way around to Illyricum, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. And I'll pray that that would be true here in Bruton, Alabama. And please pray for us there that that would be true in Utah as well. That the work of the PCA, the work of the gospel would go forward in that area. That the, the power of the gospel of Christ would be made known to people. It was always, it has always been my ambition, Paul says. And I say, I, I say and testify the same thing to you this morning. It has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known. So they would not be building on someone else's foundation. Um, church planning, in many ways, people talk about it, you know, rolling a big, a big boulder up a hill, you know. And the first, the first difficult part of that is getting the ball rolling, right? That's where they, that phrase comes from. So please pray for us in this new church plant as we begin to try to get that ball rolling and preaching the gospel in that area, see people converted, coming to Christ, and being built up as the body of Christ into a worshiping community. So at the end of the day, here was always my goal, at the end of the day, there would be more people praising Jesus than when we began there. Amen? Thank you so much for your time here this morning. Uh, We just drove into town. It's a beautiful town, beautiful church here. It's been a great opportunity to meet many of you in person, and I look forward to doing that afterwards as well. Uh, Feel free to... um, we can make the email address available where you can ask me any questions you'd like to. And I'd love to, love to stay in touch with many of you. We have a, a newsletter that we send out on a quarterly basis as well. Kind of give little updates on the work among the Mormons there. So if you'd like to be on that newsletter list, I'd love to take your uh, email. We'll write it down there. Uh, it's a great blessing to meet many of you this morning. And may God bless you in the ministry that God has given you here in Bruton, Alabama as well. Amen.